I encourage you to take them and turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Our text this morning will be found in verses 6, 7, and 8. How about that song, if you have a hope and you've acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we get to sing that forever and ever and ever and ever. And there is nothing better than that. Today is a special day in the history of Big Woods Bible Church. Uh, thus the reason I'm wearing a jacket and a tie on a really hot day. Aaron, this is for you because I love you. I do not love you enough to wear a bow tie. <clears throat> Josh can rock it, Aaron can, I just can't do that. A special welcome uh, to the Bador family, extended Brianna's family, and Amy, it is wonderful to have you here. Praying for you. Praying for Amy, uh, Badorf. Before we go to prayer, I want to direct your attention to these words. Paul's words to young Pastor Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you, through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we are grateful for this time together as your children, as brothers and sisters, recognizing you as our, our holy and our heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, that you reign over us and that you and your sovereignty have allowed us to be here together on this day. Lord, surrounded by the beauty of your creation that that literally groans of your glory, to lift up our voices and sing of your holiness and to have your perfect, powerful, and precious word opened up. And God, I plead with you now that you guard and guide my mouth, my lips, my words, my mind, that whatever is spoken would be for the glory of you and you alone. We are in desperate need of you. We thank you, Lord, for the amazing hope that exists in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are thrilled with your mercies that are new every day, your amazing grace, and your unconditional love that you bestow, you lavishly pour out on us when we are so unlovable and so undeserving. Guide us now, open our eyes and ears to see and to hear you. We ask this in the strong and powerful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. There are so many thoughts racing through my head, 
my mind at this moment. I think of, of young Pastor Aaron. I, I want to offer counsel and, and guidance and, and instruction. There's so much to offer um, from the truth of God's word. We, we know about the importance of, of, of watching your heart, of guarding your heart, of surrendering your soul on a daily basis, of, of, of stimulating your mind every single day. But I also thought about um, our bodies. And I want to begin just with a simple challenge that like this, this is all we've got to do the job that God has called all of us to do. And so we really have to take care of that. Uh, one of my personal heroes of the faith, and I know certainly a hero of the faith for Aaron as well as uh, England's prince of preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And he says this in regards to how as a pastor, one should guard his body because the importance of his body as a temple, as a vessel. And Spurgeon says this, and I quote, pardon my saying that the condition of your body must be attended to, especially in the matter of eating. For any measure of excess may injure your digestion and make you stupid when you should be fervent. I thought, how better of a way to start? Aaron and I have spent some time together. He, like me, loves food. And I was just thinking, first and foremost, before we get, don't, don't eat too much and be stupid, according to what Spurgeon says. Let's launch into this. Um, what is God doing here right now? What is God doing um, at Big Woods Bible Church? What is God doing for the gospel moving forward? But he is using every single one of us. There's, there's, we talked about, and Josh did a wonderful review by way of pillars that exist within any ministry, um, any, any church that is worth its salt, all based on the gospel. There's ministries and there's staffing and there's building. But, but in all honesty, the church, apart from what the people, is really nothing. And so there is a, a task, there's a reminder there's a challenge for every single one of us. Yes, we challenge one particular brother this morning, but we challenge every single one of us to be faithful to what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. Uh, understanding that we all play a part and that we need to be faithful. Now, thankfully, in addition to the people that comprise make up the body of Jesus Christ, God's word has given to us very clear instruction and design for effectiveness as a local church, including every person. But in addition to that, the word of God directs our attention to the success of a church is oftentimes based on the the quality and the character of the leaders, the shepherds, whom God has placed over a particular fold. Thus the importance, the Bible stresses what? Men of, of, of qualified church leadership are men of integrity and men of humility. And that's where we want to pause for a few moments this morning and focus. In his book, A Conviction to Lead, Al Mohler says this, when a leader walks into the room... A passion for truth better enter with him. It is my absolute delight to stand before you as your shepherd and, 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 and affirm that there is a man of truth 
in one Aaron Badorf as we together and collectively and corporately affirm what God is doing and calling him into ministry. Aaron Badorf is no stranger to Big Woods Bible Church. He has been attending here since 2009. Aaron grew up as the middle child between his older brother, Zach, and his little sister, Abby, both who are here today in a Christian home with his parents, James and Amy, who are also here with us. However, even as a young child and and a self-proclaimed good kid, Aaron still recognized his own sinfulness by reading the book of Romans that a friend suggested that he, quote, need it to read. He quickly realized his need for a savior and committed to be a follower of Jesus. And that is when his journey of faith and in faith began. At 13 years old, while burning debris in his backyard and using gasoline, it flashed up and he received third and fourth degree burns to 40% of his body, as well as severe inhalation burns. After one week in the hospital, the doctors informed and prepared his parents that there was little chance of survival due to the extreme damage to his lungs. But God had other plans. After 65 days in the hospital, Aaron was released. I remember talking with Aaron's mom, Amy, on the night before Aaron and Brianna were married. And Amy told me this. She says, we we kept a, a photo journal which charted his progress filled with pictures of his condition. Amy says this, but we do not call it We do not call it Aaron's burn book, but instead we call it Aaron's brag book because of what God did to heal him. To God be the glory. You see, that that is a sovereign God with a strong and powerful hand upon his own. After Aaron graduated a two-sport athlete from high school, he enrolled into Penn College as a pre-PA major. However, it was after his second semester of organic chemistry that he changed programs and transferred to Lock Haven University, where he was quickly introduced to New Life, to Big Woods Bible Church, but perhaps even more importantly, this is where he was introduced to his now wife, Brianna. Aaron says, clearly the best part of moving to Lock Haven. After serving two years in leadership at New Life and graduating from Lock Haven University in 2012, Aaron felt the very first call into full-time ministry. He enrolled into what he refers to as the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and became our campus ministry intern for the next four years. In June of 2014, Aaron and Brianna were married, and just this past May 2016, Aaron graduated with a Master in Divinity and was hired to become Associate Pastor of Discipleship at Big Woods. 
Aaron has taught faithfully the Word of God each Tuesday night at New Life. He has discipled numerous young men over the years, one of those which you witnessed being baptized just last Sunday with um, Daniel Nauta, as well as uh, leading several Sunday classes at Big Woods and young adult Bible studies. He's filled the pulpit preaching at our church as well as many area churches on numerous occasions. Recently, Aaron has met with the elders, having his doctrinal position and philosophy of ministry carefully examined by an ordination council comprised of elders, pastors, mentors, and a representative from the North American Mission Board, Director of Campus Ministries, Robert Turner, who is here with us this morning. Aaron has proven himself to be a faithful student of the Word of God, a clear communicator of the gospel, a man with a passion for truth, and a faithful husband to his wife, Brianna, and one who has been called by God, gifted and has shown a desire for the office of pastor, and it is an absolute joy to serve alongside of him. Now, officially, you cannot go to a chapter and verse for an ordination ceremony such as this. But there are numerous texts which use phrases like, like setting apart and anointing and laying hands on and sending out. Almost all churches and, and all denominations publicly recognize and confer Authority to those whom God has entrusted to equip and, and to guide and to lead the local body. Although the call on a pastor is formed in the heart, it's not contingent upon titles. Reverend in front of someone else's name simply does not do it. An ordination does provide for us the opportunity as a church to affirm and recognize what God is doing in calling a man to ministry. Now let me remind you, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he, he desires a noble task. Another translation reads that he desires a good task. Thing. It's a good thing what you're witnessing here today. Today we gather to formally and officially recognize and lay hands on Aaron, affirming his call into ministry of what God has done. He is fully aware. I have reminded him as well as, uh, as, well as others repeatedly about the, the weight and responsibility that now rests on Aaron's shoulders. I, I, I keep the words in my office regularly. I've oftentimes reminded Aaron of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, to obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. That's a responsibility that Aaron now faces. But Hebrews 13, 17 continues on, says this, let them do that with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. That, that, that means, I remember a conversation that Aaron knocked on my door at 1.30 in the morning, that those times, those moments, we are to fulfill our calling with joy and not with 
groaning. This is a unique calling, and it is a high calling. A calling of great weight and responsibility. Therefore, we want to do it carefully and properly, and most importantly, prayerfully. I want every single one of us to realize the qualifications that are spelled out in Scripture. Paul lists them very, very clearly in both Titus chapter 1 and and 1 Timothy chapter 3. That it's always more about who the leader is, who he is, not what he does. Qualifications are high. 1 Timothy chapter 3. I already read the first verse to you. It continues on. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive someday. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. And there's no doubt that colleges and and seminaries can certainly help equip and prepare a man for ministry. There's no doubt that, that, that elder boards or search committees can give greater opportunities for that service. But be assured that it is only God, only God, that can call a man and ultimately equip him, enable him, and empower him to do the work of the ministry. That's what we are doing here this morning. This, this, this idea, laying on of hands. The word is kathostami. It's the closest that we have to ordain. It means to appoint, to set apart. This is not something we're just like, what could we do here? We didn't just like drum up this idea. We see it all the way through Scripture, Acts chapter 6 and verse 6. The apostles were just pushed to limits in work. They needed assistance. They sought help. It says that seven men were chosen to serve, and they laid hands on them. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 13, Ananias laid hands on the newly converted Saul, healing him from blindness, also is an indication of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit at work in his life. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 3, Barnabas and Paul, who had been at the church of Antioch, were being, it says, set apart to do the work of which I have called them. After praying and fasting, they laid hands on them and they sent them off. 1 Timothy in chapter 5 and verse 22, Paul warns Timothy, don't be too hasty. Don't do this too quickly on laying hands on them to set aside one for service. Why? Because you could have, you could appoint an unqualified elder. It would be disastrous. And then there's this phrase that I read to you earlier from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul charges and challenges Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God which has been given, which is in you. There's that phrase again, through the laying on 
of hands. And that's where I want to pause just quickly in closing. The final, final thought for us, it's not just a challenge just to Aaron. It's not just a reminder for all pastors and elders, but it's a reminder for every single one of us that we have a responsibility here. We also know how to pray specifically for our leaders. Second Timothy is literally the final words of the Apostle Paul. When he writes these words, he's sitting in a Roman dungeon. He has been imprisoned, incarcerated for the very last time. He's writing his last words, last epistle, last letter, last will and testament. Literally, he perhaps is days away from having his his head cut off to die as a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows that his time is very near and he knows that this, this, this baton is going to be passed on. And Timothy understands that he's the one to receive it. He will receive this flaming torch. The, the mantle will be given to him. Paul's probably in his late 60s, they estimate. Uh, Timothy's probably in his early 30s. And Timothy understands that he's not quite like the Apostle Paul. Matter of fact, there's, there's really no one like the Apostle Paul. It's pretty clear throughout Scripture, Timothy does not have the constitution, doesn't have the makeup that the Apostle Paul does. The Apostle Paul is unique, resolute. He's this indomitable, dynamic force. Literally, Paul is able to face whole crowds of people. He go toe-to-toe with the very best and brightest. And he could outwit and outspeak and outlast them. I refer to it in my studies as a a Pauline tenaciousness. And and then there's young Timothy. He just doesn't have it. Matter of fact, he's actually known for for struggling with with doubts and, and fears and confidence and was even timid at times. We see this when Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 16. He says this, Now, if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid, for he is doing the Lord's work. You see, Timothy had had constantly drawn strength and stamina from his mentor, Paul. But now what? Paul would be gone. So this is the last moment, in in a sense, to gain as much strength as possible. Matter of fact, the whole theme of of 2 Timothy is to build up, is to motivate, to be courageous, to be strong, to, 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 to not be ashamed. You see, command after command, imperative after imperative, all the way through. Do not be ashamed, be strengthened. Remember Jesus Christ, endure everything. How about that for instruction? Endure everything from this moment. Flee youthful passions. Pursue righteousness. Preach the word. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. One command after another. But then then there's this phrase. And I want you to listen. And I, I want all of us to hear this phrase, these words from an aged old veteran in ministry to a young man and he says this fan into flame the gift of God which is in you to fan into flame means what it means to take this this smoldering ember 
It means to take this, this smoking piece of kindling. You've all, you've all tried to, to reignite a fire before. And what you need to do with that is you need to let the air get to it. It's certainly not very spiritual, but I can't help but think of Tom Hanks in Castaway when he finally builds the fire. The air got to it. The air got to it. That's when everything changes. Everything changes. He's laying on the beach eating crab in just a few minutes. The air is what? Let the, let the air get to it. Let the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit blow. And let it go. Let it ignite and let it grow and, and roar into a big, bright, brilliant bonfire of, of roaring truth. A Berean literal translates it, kindle anew the gift of God every day. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says, keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you. It implies what? It's never ending. It's a, it's a constant, continual need. This is just not one time and then you're done. No, we need to fan this into flame every day. Allow the Holy Spirit, holy, which means what a reminder. We hunger and pursue and we chase after and we long for holiness in our own life. A confession of sin. An admission of our own wrongdoing. Begging for God's mercy and forgiveness before the Holy Spirit can what? can ignite us. Let me close with a quote again from Charles Spurgeon. He says this in reference to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how important it is for the preacher, the pastor. Does the Holy Spirit rest upon us or is our present fervor a mere human feeling? We ought upon this point to be seriously and Inquisitorial with our hearts, pressing home the question, have we the holy fire which springs from a true call to the ministry? If not, why are we here? If a man can live without preaching, let him live without preaching. If a man can be content without being a soul winner, I had almost said he had better not attempt the work but I had rather say, let him seek to have the stone taken out of his heart that he may feel for perishing men. Till then, as a minister, he may do positive mischief by occupying the place of one who might have succeeded in the blessed work in which he must be a failure. The fire of our earnestness must burn upon the hearth of faith in the truths which we preach. And faith, in their power to bless mankind when the Spirit applies them to the hearts. We understand that, that God is the one who calls. It is the Holy Spirit that continually allows this to happen. What, what is the result of this? Lastly, it is the Holy Spirit that gives to us what? Not, not, not a spirit of fear, how encouraging these words must have been for young Timothy, scared to death about understanding the weight and responsibility of his calling. But the Holy Spirit gives not a spirit of fear, but a power. Dunamis is that word dynamite that we get today, a, 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 a spirit of love, unconditional ability to love all of us who are unlovable so many times. And a spirit, what? 
of self-control or a sound mind. And then he concludes with this, Therefore, do not, do not, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Aaron is in a position now where he needs to model for you what it means to be a proponent of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We live in a day, we live in an age, and we live in a time. And to be perfectly honest and truthful, the word of God, the people of God, the work of God is continually mocked. It is continually ridiculed. And and yet it is in this context that we are called to minister. This is the chapter that we are called to write. And it is with that we need we need a boldness we cannot be ashamed of what god has called us to do and who god has called us to be what what an amazing privilege it is to witness god's calling upon a man at this time i'm going to invite aaron to come up uh, with each one of the elders that are here Uh, mr turner as well is here um, uh, Bill Newman, one of Aaron's mentors, has discipled him. Um, each of these men participated in the ordination council. I'm going to ask that you bring a, a chair up, and we're literally going to lay hands on, just as God's word says, and pray um, that God would protect this man, his family, that God would empower and continue to in- equip and use him in a mighty way for the gospel of Jesus Christ as part of um, what he is doing through the local church right here. I'm going to have our our senior member of our elder uh, team, uh, Dr. Gray, is going to open with a word of prayer. I'm then going to have Mr. Turner pray, and then I'll conclude um, our time together.
Father, as our heads are bowed, um, as a sign of our submission to your authority, for we together as one church, one voice, we recognize and affirm what you are doing. We thank you, Lord, for the call that you have placed on Aaron's heart, Lord, that he has a hunger and a passion for the truth. Father, I would ask that he would understand the importance of pursuing holiness every day. He would emulate and follow the example that has been given to us through the work and the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I would ask, Lord, that you would use him in a mighty way. We, we, Lord, ask for protection upon he and Brianna as they minister in this community. We know, Lord, that there is, there is much to be accomplished in Lock Haven, that the need is great. Father, we need bold proclaimers. We need shepherds who, who love and patiently care for, who come close to and, and sense and see the needs of herding sheep. Father, I would ask, Lord, that you would give to him an awareness that is unique. Father, give to him a continued ability to stretch his mind and to learn and to expand. We thank you, Lord, for the keen mind that he has been given. I thank you, Lord, already for the way that he has challenged me. I thank you, Lord, for the example that he has been in areas and for the friendship. Father, I thank you for these men that are alongside. I thank you, Lord, for every person that you have rescued that is in our midst. And we ask, Lord, that you would just use us for the furthering of the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you so much for um, Aaron's family that have taught him and loved him and nurtured him. We thank you, Lord, for your sustaining hand of healing upon his life and preserving him. Lord, you have, you have, I believe, much in store for this young man. May he understand the weight and responsibility and move slowly and carefully as he desires to be obedient in every way. Father, we thank you so much for blessing him with a wonderful wife in Brianna. May you bless their marriage. May you make them strong. May they serve you faithfully as one. We love you and we thank you for this time together. In your name we pray, amen. Before these men leave, um, uh, Josh, we've got something. I want to invite uh, Brianna to come up as well, as well as my wife has something for Brianna. And uh, we would just like to present this to you, a certificate of ordination. And it reads, uh, we the undersigned representing a duly called council of his peers and elders of his church, after the satisfactory examination and testimony regarding Christian experience, called to the ministry, personal qualifications, and doctrinal qualifications, hereby certify Aaron Badorf, was solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the work of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ by the Big Woods Bible Church of Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, on the 12th day of June, 2016. 1 Timothy 1.12 says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. And it is signed by all 12 of the men who participated in the council. That is for you, and congratulations. This is a gift as well. And we want to thank you. Um, 
Matt's going to lead us in one last song, but please understand, we don't want you to race off. Uh, there are many barbecues grilling. Uh, family is here, and it is cause and reason to celebrate. So we will um, um, invite you to lunch afterwards. It may be a little tight, but just be gracious, okay, and kind. Thank you. Would you stand with us now as we close? <coughs> How exciting is it to have one from among us called to full-time ministry, and I just can't wait to see how God is going to call others to full-time ministry out of us as well. And so.